Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucette, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette. Today I'm joined with a very special guest, someone I've known for probably about 15 years, I believe we first met, maybe a little longer. He's a he's a guy who was involved in a lot of stuff kind of like me. Not only is he a martial artist, he's a he's a musician, he's a, a firearms instructor, he's a woodwork uh, expert, um, and I think astronomer also, so <laughs> a lot of stuff, so it's, it's kind of fun. But uh, my pleasure to welcome to the show today, um, uh, Hapkido Master Jerry Hillen. How are you doing, sir? Well, good evening, welcome, and howdy from Texas. Been back for two and a half years, and so we met at three years onto that and 15 years onto that. Okay, so it's been that long since you moved in Fargo almost 20 years ago. Pretty much. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So for those who don't know, like I said, I mentioned you, you do Hapkido and you also have other martial arts experience, but let, let's go back to the very beginning. Um, I'm not sure where exactly you started at what age, but kind of go back to maybe your childhood. Is there, you know, wh when was your first experience with martial arts? When did you first see martial arts or when did it first pique your interest? Oddly enough, I spent 40 years in Texas and then 20 years living up north. And I started literally about five miles from where I'm living right now. Okay. And this was the mid-70s. This was 46 years ago last month. And back in those times in Houston, Seventh Don were rare and few and far between. And arts such as Hapkido only had Seven Dons back then. Taekwondo didn't exist in Kukiwan form at the time. It was everything here was either General Che, ITF, or Tang Sudo, Muda Kwan. Okay. And Hapkido was, oh, there were one or two people who did that. And I saw a demo. I played baseball at the time. And I saw a demo in a parking lot. And this fellow, he didn't speak any English. And it was just, it was just amazing. And I'm just a little, very impressionable 14-year-old. He took a Coke bottle, took a church key, handed it to a guy, just random guy in the audience because he didn't have any students. Nobody knew what martial arts was back then, really. Just kickboxing and things like that. And he held the Coke bottle up. His guy put it in his guy hand, really big fellow, just put it in his palm and took the church, took the top off, turned it upside down, and then just did a jumping back kick and knocked the top off. <laughs> nice. And I was just floored. I was just like, I want to do that. And so I started taking lessons from him. And back at that time, it was a month before you could even become a white belt and bit by a nobody. Okay. Classes were two hours minimum sometimes, and you were expected to go to at least two a day. And that month was nothing but orientation, stretching. This is Korea. I, from Texas, I didn't even know where it was. <laughs> and 
you know, I find out later it's about the size of Indiana and I've traveled the whole country several times, but I didn't even know where it was. I'm just a, just a brand new teenager. And we were taught terminology, the language, geography. We were taught the culture. We were taught everything. We weren't just taught how to bow. We were taught why. So everything was repetition. And once you finished as a month, there were 15 of us, and only two of us finished that month out. Because let's face it, Americans are very bad at being able to do things (laughs) over and over. (laughs) And and so the dropout rate was was very high, but classes were brutal. I'll admit that. I mean, they were just brutal. And it was if you hurt, if you were sick, you were told to work through it. We don't do that now. We don't smack students. <laughs> I teach in a very positive environment, but I didn't grow up that way. So it's um, the, good, the good old days, basically. <laughs> <laughs> right. They were, they were very brutal. We were expected to break our two, two first knuckles punching on concrete so that they would heal. And this was about the time I first, first done or second time. Fortunately, I was a architectural student at Texas A&M at the time, and writing was my livelihood. So I got out of that. Okay. But belt tests were were just brutal. I remember watching for the first Don's test, uh, the first cup test for Chodan, and one out of three might pass. I mean, you were expected to, and then you were expected to do everything. Period. End of discussion. I I actually broke my hand during my Chodan test in the seventy late seventies, and it was towards the end. And afterwards, I just put it behind my back and kept it there and finished the test. My instructor had actually said it. His instructor was there, and he said it. And I shook hands with everybody afterwards with my right hand. Everybody said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to the hospital. (laughs) 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 You're going to have to dinner. What are you going to do? Because I passed, and I wasn't expecting to. And I ended up getting a cast on. (laughs) We hot keto... I often get asked what quantum I associated with. I didn't even know they existed until the 80s. I, okay. I've never been associated with one. Um, what style of hot keto are you? I don't know. Hot keto. <laughs> um, you know, there. I, I, it wasn't until the internet I was. I learned that there was this and that style. In other words, this person broke off and did this thing, and this person right. broke off and did that thing. And I've been doing this for 46 years, and I'm eighth on. I literally said this in class last night. I said I'm not qualified to change anything. I don't. I don't know how to teach you to be green belt. I don't know how to teach you to be a fit don. I don't remember being one. Uh, it was a long time ago. All I can do is teach you what I know right now. What I can do. So now, have you been doing hop keto the whole time? I know you. You also studied taekwondo, and you and you have belts in taekwondo. Have you been doing? Did, I, you, did you do them together or at separate times? I did come up through the ranks doing both as separate arts at separate dojang um, until I went to Texas A&M and then I was involved with the Texas A&M Self-Defense Club, which I became a co-instructor of. But I did come up through the ranks and I'm as completely separate arts, ITF first and then Kukiwan. And I enjoyed it. I I, uh, got to the point where first, second, third, fourth done Really, they're so different, and the way you move, the basic emotion is almost, I'm not going to say contradictory, it's just different where you move from, how you move. One of them just pulled me. It wasn't a conscious decision. I just stopped practicing Taekwondo at at Taekwondo at fourth done, 
And that was in, when did I get my fourth done? In 1991. Okay. So I pretty much stuck because the self-defense club would take Lundo and Hapkido on alternative nights. And these are two hours, except for Saturday, that was four hours. These were two-hour <laughs> classes, and which was very light for me because I came up doing two two-hour classes a night. And about this time, people started to learn um Hey, if you're sick, don't come to class <laughs> instead of be the way I was raised, being told you come and you sweat it out. <laughs> we started to learn at this point. I started to learn a lot more of the history and and a lot more of the uh, theories of motion, really. And that's that's what Hop Keto is all about is the basic theories of motion and the theories of motion behind every technique. Let's put it this way. Let's say I've done 5,000 techniques and each one 5,000 times. I haven't just done 5,000 techniques. I've done 20,000 because every time I do a technique, I apply the principles of basic motion to it. In Hapkido, there are three principles of basic motion. A balance break, a decreasing radius circle, and lowering your center. I'm not going to memorize 5,000 techniques. I do 10,000 <laughs> techniques or however number. I, I'm, I'm a, I, I was born in the 50s. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I have actually had a student do a technique once, and this is a true story. This was when, uh, about a fifth done, I think. And right before you and I met, and while well, I was in, right before moving to Fargo, we were living in Cincinnati. And uh, one of my students was doing a technique, and I walked up and I said, Oh, this is cool. Show me. And they backed away from me. I said, What? And said, <laughs> like, they, they got <laughs> very scared and said, Well, you taught it to us. <laughs> it's okay. I'm. I just I don't remember, I don't know it so teach it to me <laughs> and it got to the point around seventh and eighth uh, where I could teach a technique I've never done before and never seen before because I'm teaching the theory and I'm just applying it because you can't sit down and memorize ten thousand techniques and you're not self defense you're not going to respond the person attacking you is already thought through the process and committed to it you have to react you don't have, you can't think about it. I'm a personal protection uh, firearms instructor also. And in fact, I think I was Fargo's first full-time firearms instructor. And I taught three to 5,000 students a year there in Fargo. And and it's amazing to me that people don't train. They think they're going to somehow muscle memory is just going to appear. And I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just floored by that. If you, my grandfather once said, and it's, and it stuck with me ever since then. He said, a person who hadn't driven 100,000 miles doesn't have an experience driving. In other words, if my next-door neighbor, their kids just got their driver's license and wanted to borrow my truck, it's not happening just because they got the driver's <laughs> license. And how many people we know who got to who tell us, oh, you do this or this martial art? Oh, I was a green belt once. We hear it all the time, right? Yep. And and it's like, well, I was in the sixth grade last <laughs> I, I moved on. <laughs> if if you aren't training and aren't practicing, you're not going to have that muscle memory. When we were learning how to drive, we paid attention to everything. Now we're at the point where we drive around the block and come back and look, make sure we check the garage door, uh, <laughs> that we closed it. We go to the grocery store and you're not paying any attention. You remember how you got there. Everything you've driven so much that is just automatic. Exactly. Right? We've all done that. And that's what, to me, that's what Mudo martial arts is about. It's just about making your whole body. And when I do a technique, I don't, I, I, let's say I'm just doing a simple joint lock. I'm not focused on the joint lock. I'm focusing, I'm focusing on everything I'm doing. Uh, 
Dr. Hyung Kim once told me I was a technician, and I, did, I had no idea what he meant by that. So I asked somebody who was senior to me, and they said, well, you're, you're moving with your whole body. And I said, well, I don't know how not to. And it's because if you're doing a simple punch, it doesn't matter, joint lock punch, it's about where are your feet pointed and why? Where are your knees pointed? Where, how much are they bent? Why? Where are your hips moving and why? Your shoulders, every part of you. It's not about what your hands are doing. It's about what your whole body is doing. And that's what makes Hakido work is because it doesn't rely on that strength of my fingers. Okay. It relies on using my whole body. I'm not moving. when I Let's take a little simple joint lock again. I'm using my whole body into it. I'm, I weigh about 175 pounds. And this is why someone 90 pounds can, with experience and practice, not going to hope that happen overnight, can defend themselves against somebody twice their size. But if they just use their fingers and hands to do it, nothing's going to happen. And when we drive, we use all our senses, and we're not even paying attention to the fact that we're doing that. But we, when we first learned, when we were driving around the parking lot in, in, your, in your parents' car, and they were scared to death, and you were giving them gray hairs, <laughs> you panicked, right? You 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 would hit the wrong pedal. You would jerk the wheel. It was horrible. <laughs> and it's a. I was once told uh, by a friend of mine who was a Dieter Akutsu instructor. He and it's a very Japanese uh, philosophy. Is in martial arts training is in twenty year cycles. And having gone through a couple of those, I think I agree. I definitely agree. That makes sense. So question for you then, do you, now you said you've you know, learned, you know, 10,000 techniques or whatever it is. Do you actually have all those techniques somewhere? Are they in notebooks? Are they on video? I mean, if you had to go back and relearn one of them, do you have access to it or is it just what's in your memory? Okay. Very good question. And I'm going to redirect the question because okay. you're looking at physical catalog of techniques and I really not, you can't look at them that way. Okay. Think of it as categories of techniques. A uh, technique doesn't have a beginning, it doesn't have an end, just a pure technique. Let's take a four-direction throw, uh, Japanese call them shinagi. That's one technique, but there's 10,000 ways to do it. Okay. So when I was, and I had a, a running joke with a friend of mine every time we see each other, he's eighth down with the KJF, and um, we, he once asked me how many techniques there were in Hakkido, and I said, I, th I think about 10. He said, I think there's about six. And every time we see each other, that number gets lower and lower <laughs> um, because they have some, because you find common denominators. And so to answer your question, no, I don't have a list of techniques because there's so many variations of everything. And you can take any category of techniques and put any beginning or ending ending to it. I mean, by ending, I mean pin or throw. And you can do it with arm and leg. It doesn't matter what they're attacking you with. Mm -hmm. uh, a stick, hand, a foot, doesn't matter. If they're grabbing you, it, it doesn't matter. We teach some um, wrist grabs for beginners. We, we start out with very simple techniques and, and learning how to move your body. And that's the way I teach. Okay. Because once we, I can remember going, well, this is static and this is dynamic. And then one day going, well, it's like folding your fingers together. They really, there isn't one and then the other. They, it doesn't matter what the attack is. And you can land it. And, and it's also the same true with third-party attacks. You're defending somebody else. Well, they're going to wake up unconscious because they got choked out <laughs> attacking some little old lady in the parking lot. Um, and they're going to wonder what happened. And that's what 
So there isn't a list of techniques. I do have a list of category of techniques that my students and my instructors under me are required to learn because it's the, you know, you got the category of throws, you got a category of joint locks, you got a category of kicks, strikes. But if you were to name every kick you know, well, that's kind of just gets silly. You spend all your time naming them, right? Right, yep. And listing them. Well, what about this variation? What about this that variation? To me, Hapkido's conceptual art based on theories of motion. And once you have these category of techniques, you then apply the theories behind them. And then you can attach a beginning and an end to it. That makes sense. And you actually answered my next question too, because I was asking if there was, you know, I was going to ask if there was a specific set of things that need, are needed for tests or whatnot. And you answered that. So that's, that's good too. At what point in your training, when did you decide you wanted to start teaching? Is that something you just kind of fell into or did you decide? Oh, my, my instructor, uh, uh, Chu Bong at Texas A&M at the time was a, a doctorate student and he failed his comps and had like 48 hours to get back to Korea. <laughs> and he called me up and said, said, I got a brand new sofa it's wrapped up in plastic. I said, I'm, I'm a poor college student, right? <laughs> I'm working two, four, two part-time jobs, going to school, pretty much minoring on the match <laughs> for all practical purposes. And uh, as my best friend said, who was the co-instructor of the club, we just happened to get a degree. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he actually has a PhD in chemistry now, but he called me up and said, I have to be back in Korea. The club is yours, and I need you to buy my sofa. I said, I don't have any money for it. He said, 100 bucks. And I said, oh, yes, sir, of course I will. So I borrowed 100 bucks to buy a sofa. Wow. <laughs> and um, and next thing I know, I had the club, and my best friend at the time was a was a, a Udo and Hapkido guy, and I'm a Taekwondo and Hapkido guy, and we merged and just sort of reorganized the um, Texas A&M University Self-Defense Club. And it just, and I spent a lot of time with peers learning how to teach. I, I spent a lot of time internally learning how to teach. And the nice thing about that time period is people just played well with each other. Right. I don't see enough of that today because it, because of um, commercialism in, in martial arts. Back then, it wasn't so much of a thing, and it was everybody played well with each other on a huge scale. Once a week, we met at my house in the living room, and we put all the furniture to the side, and this is all the instructors from the different clubs, and we would practice. And my roommate was pretty much at the level of the green belt before he ever stepped on the mats because we would just throw him around (laughs) and he he literally spent four semesters just being thrown around by all the instructors. And I, I said, can you, I need to do a demo coming up in a couple of weeks. Can you take pause for me? I said, but I need to get you a no block and a belt. So, So he never had any, formal class training but he could follow and he had learned so much just he said i've just been soaking this up i said really yeah and he said oh i've i've just been you guys sit there and go oh we do this version we do this version and it was just a fabulous learning experience it sounds like my first three months of a keto when i was in college because i did i did a keto for a year in college and same thing the first three months i spent five days a week getting thrown around so (laughs) 
and I played with them too. Yes. (laughs) And it was just fabulous because they're going, you know, they're, they're, we use a decreasing radio circle in hot keto and Aikido has a larger circle Mm -hmm. and, and the variations and learning what they do and not going, here's what I do. This is better. No, here's what I do. Now I want to learn what you do. That's what, that's what it's all about. Yes. I'm going to go back and I'm going to teach hot keto. And if I do a technique that I'm excited about that I learned from somebody, let's say in Aikido, and my brother is a fourth on with the Hombu Jojo in Aikido, uh, who I sent him to his instructor, by the way. Nice. And that's another story, but I'm going to say, Hey, this is not a hot keto technique, but it's really cool. And I just want to learn it. I just want to learn it. <laughs> It's good. It's all about sharing knowledge. So that's really good. It is. And sadly, those times are really just gone. Everybody is just a different society now um, as far as people playing well with each other. I've got a bunch of friends who are my peers, and but that's a small group. It's a lot smaller group than it used to be in the 80s and 90s. So how many schools do you oversee right now? One, two, three, four... Fargo, Michigan, Woodlands, four, I think. Okay, so you get to travel a little bit still, and that's nice. Five, six, no, a couple of them, no, two more. Florida, okay. I'd have to, I'd have to actually check. <laughs> so it's, it's it's a few at least. That's good though. Because I have a bunch of students who don't have a don't actually have a dojo, but they teach. Okay. So it could be half a dozen to a dozen. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. So some, some, some fun questions to ask here, or maybe fun, depending, but, uh, just, so you've been doing martial arts now 46 years. What are your thoughts on the, on the, the rise of, of mixed martial arts and the UFC type competitions? Just curious your, your thoughts on that. I like to watch some of it. I went to the women's judo, uh, in 87 for the 88 Olympics. I oh, went wow. to San Antonio, watched the women's, women's judo finals and these ladies were technically so good. It was just balance. It was just grace in motion. I just enjoyed it. I would not want to be near anybody who walked up to them in a dark alley or at the <laughs> gas pump. Um, <laughs> these people train to do what they're doing in in the sport, and they're very in these sports, and they're very good at it. Right. I was heavily in the competition in the seventies and eighties on the taekwondo side. I loved it. I have the X-rays to prove it. Okay, uh, <laughs> uh, I had a lot of injuries, and back then it was full contact. There was no gloves and um, no gloves and footgear and stuff like that. It was it was brutal, and. But these people who do this kind of thing spend a lot of time and effort into it. And once they retire from that, because, well, look at gymnastics in the Olympics. I mean, yeah. 20 years oh, too old, right? Yep. There's only so long you can you can do these kind of things. But then I think they become very good instructors at what they do based on their experience. So whatever the late, and I've seen every fad come, everything, this is popular this decade, this is popular that decade. Yep. Um, back in the 80s, I sparred with kickboxers I saw on ESPN fight. And I'm like, you know, do you want to, you want to spar? I'm like, oh, yes, sir. <laughs> um, what a fun learning experience. Nice. So uh, for me, that's fine. I'm all for it because these people are very good at what they do. Otherwise they wouldn't, we wouldn't be watching them. Right. 
So what advice would you give someone who walked up to you who was either themselves wanted to get involved in martial arts or maybe they wanted to get their kids involved? Just what type of tips would you give them on what to look for in a school, what to look for in an instructor? Oh, that's a very good question. And let me go back to something I had mentioned earlier. And that is I sent my brother to a different martial art when he first asked me. This was in the 80s, 90s, not sure. He said, I want to study martial arts. And a gentleman by the name of T.K. Lee, uh, Lee Sensei, ran Aikido Busei, passed away this winter. And I said, I want you to train with him. And he said, why? I said, because he fits what you need to learn. He said, but I want to learn Aikido. I said, no, you don't. I said, that's not your personality. I want you to study with him. And he stayed with him literally until the end. And um, it was... uh, Lee Sensei was an amazing person. He came to my mother's funeral in in East Texas uh, back when I was living in Fargo, actually. And my advice, and I I don't teach children anymore. I haven't taught children. Well, I stopped doing that when I moved to Fargo. Because I taught Hapkido and and teach uh, to adults and Taekwondo to children. And then I met the late Renee West, passed away in 2004, um, known as the meanest woman in Aikido. <laughs> and she taught me how to, she was in a, she actually had a waiting list for teaching children. She was that good. Okay. She put together a book for me at a photocopy machine. This is before the internet. She sat there and photocopied pages and stuff and techniques and things. And, and so here you teach a Aikido light type thing because their joints aren't developed. You're teaching them coordination. They, there's so much that children can benefit from the arts, from the grappling and throwing arts, the kicking and punching arts, everything, because you're developing their joints, their their mind, and their body. So it actually depends on the person. I would end up asking them more questions. What do you do? What do you like to do? I want to find out if they're more geared towards, I'm not going to sell them hot keto. I want to find out who they are. Remember when I talked about my history, Hapkido adopted mm-hmm. me. I didn't seek it. Right. It wasn't a conscious effort. And so my advice, my, what I would do is I would just ask them more questions and and find out what makes them tick. What are they looking for? Some people are scared of falling. Well, then obviously Hapkido, Judo, <laughs> Aikido, all these T arts are out, right? Yep. <laughs> or, and also what they, they're, Mindset is because a lot of people are already stereotypists, right? They think all we do is kick or punch, or if they see have a judo cousin, they think all we do is throw. So we're we're stereotyped, and so I want to find out what they know, what they don't know. So I'm actually going to ask, sit down with them, and ask questions. And I've actually done that with friends and neighbors. You're, actually, that's that's a very similar answer that I get from most people I've asked that. So I, I, I'm, I, that impresses me. That's more people take the time instead of just throwing one style out there. They take the time to learn what the person really needs. That's really good. So in, in all your years of martial arts, is there a specific philosophy that you kind of hold true? Maybe one that stands out that you've learned or that you keep coming back to? Two of them, actually. One is we're all beginners. I've just been a beginner for 46 years. That's my favorite. That's one of my favorite sayings. The other is, all you got to do is show up. I like that one. Just keep showing up. I was interviewed once by a newspaper, and they said, well, why didn't you ever quit? I mean, I was a green belt once in something, kung fu or something, and but I but I stopped doing it. 
had about Greenbelt. And I went, you know, I never thought about it. I looked at her and I said, I've never thought about it. I just never dawned on me to not do this. Um, So those are actually two of my favorite things. And the most important being just keep showing up for class. That's good. But in my mindset as an instructor, it's important to realize that you're, you're, you're a student first. I don't care what your rank is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a student first. And as long as you keep that mindset and realize that everybody is a beginner and you're always going to learn something new. I learn something from my students all the time, my peers. Uh, when I get together with them in Mississippi, I learn so much. I just keep an open mind and, and there's always something new. The library is full of stuff I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That actually leads to my next question. You mentioned library. Do you have a favorite martial arts book that you either yourself just love reading over and over or one that you recommend to people who ask? Uh, absolutely. But I'm a bit biased here because in my, my, I have two Aethon certificates. One is from Master J.R. West, who was, uh, which is from 2017. And then in early 2018, Dr. Hyun Kim, uh, I received my keto hay certificate from him. So, and I've spent, I've, I've traveled to Korea with him for the last oh, literally 20 years. And the hot keto Bible, the hot keto, hot keto volume one, it's a hardback. It's about two and a half inches thick. Uh, and I have every book he ever written, autograph, he ever wrote autographed by him. And I would recommend his hot keto book, the first one. Okay, good. It's been nicknamed over the years the Hot Keto Bible for a reason because it is. And I have a huge library of martial arts books, but for Hot Keto, and that's the first one I would recommend. Um, for a martial arts in, in general, uh, Stevens, who was an Aikido, uh, wrote some wonderful books. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's... John Stevens, I believe, was his name. Yeah, yeah that sounds right. I, I he 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 wrote some wonderful books on philosophy that have to do with the the mudos, you know, what the essence is, or we're just not a collection of techniques. We're a art. Yeah, I'm sure my library is not quite as vast as yours, but I have a, a good collection of martial arts books. And I, I, everyone I've talked to, I've, I've heard at least one new one that I'm going to try to add to my collection. So, so final, final question. It's either, <laughs> it's either one or two part question, depending on your answer. This is kind of a, maybe like a guilty pleasure type question. Do you have a favorite martial arts TV show and or favorite martial arts movie? <laughs> I haven't watched TV in five or six years, so no, <laughs> not really. Except I do. Is there a movie that if, if if you if you're flipping through the channels or something and you you catch it on, you just you'll watch it? wasn't Wasn't there one that had a Hapkido guy in back in the seventies? I'm trying to think of the name of it. Oh well, Billy Jack. I mean, that was Hapkido. That was Bob oh, yeah. doing technique. There we go. Master, um, he, he was he was, I think, probably one of the first, if not the first martial arts well he was doing the stunts i mean what's his name the actual actor uh i can't remember his name who did billy jack character he would just become this korean all of a sudden doing kicks and then come back to <laughs> seeing himself and um we had met him once in california on the way to korea with dr kim uh, i think it was just 2000 and he said oh they didn't know what they were just had cameras pointing every direction uh, photography was new doing stunts was new everything all that was a was just a learning experience in the movies but <laughs> hearing those kind of stories was just fantastic but i can't say i have a favorite i haven't watched billy jack in probably 20 years i need to rewatch it 
I, was gonna, I just want to thank you, sir, for, for taking the time to sit down with us today and, and, and chat a little bit and uh, fill us in a little bit on Hapkido and a little bit about yourself and your background. And, and I, I really do appreciate it. And any any links you want me to share uh, you know, on the podcast, I'll, I'll add them into the show notes and, and people can click on them if they want to. I know you have I think you have links for your for your music, I believe, and, and some of your woodworking stuff. So I'll, I will gladly share those links with all the listeners for you. So I have um, I own Kidohe.org. Uh, hopketosubdefense.com, but I got all that consolidated under jrhillen.com. Okay. And that shows all my passions. Well, I will definitely share that link and make sure everyone has it. But once again, thank you for your time, sir, and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. My friend, thank you. That was fun. I had a good time. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.